evening is from 1 Corinthians, chapter 9. It's on page 1150 of the Blue Pew Bibles. 1 Corinthians 9, verses 1 to 18. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not the result of my work in the Lord? Even though I may not be an apostle to others, surely I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defence to those who sit in judgment on me. Don't we have the right to food and drink? Don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us, as do the other apostles and the Lord's brothers and Cephas? Or is it only I and Barnabas who lack the right to not work for a living? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat its grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink the milk? Do I say this merely on human authority? Doesn't the law say the same thing? For it is written in the law of Moses, Do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. Is it about oxen that God is concerned? Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Yes, this was written for us, because whoever ploughs and threshes should be able to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. If we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? If others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? But we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. Don't you know that those who serve in the temple get their food from the temple, and that those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar? In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. But I have not used any of those rights, and I am not writing this in the hope that you will do such things for me, for I'd rather die than allow anyone to deprive me of this boast. For when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, since I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I am simply discharging the trust committed to me. What then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge, and so not make full use of my rights as a preacher of the gospel. This is the word of the Lord. Great, thanks so much for reading. Good evening, folks. Let me, let me pray as we begin. 
Father, thank you so much that you speak to us through your word. We pray that we would pay attention to what you have to say to us and give us soft hearts um, to want to put um, your word into practice. And we pray that your spirit would help me as I preach. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The author G.K. Chesterton once said, To have a right to do a thing is not at all the same as to be right in doing it. To have a right to do a thing is not at all the same as to be right in doing it. Or to put that slightly differently, just because you have the right to do something doesn't make it the right thing to do. We live in an age that is obsessed with individual rights. For example, in our society, people who are born male but identify as women might demand the right to use women's bathrooms or to compete in women's sports. Although not too long ago, such rights would have seemed inconceivable, today to oppose them in any way could make you appear uh, to some as unloving and harsh. People might ask you, how can you not want someone to have the right to do as they wish? Which leads us to the question, where do, we, where do we draw the line on rights? There are consequences to people having this or, or that right, aren't there? For example, there's, there's a reason mass shootings happen in the U.S. more than anywhere else. The Second Amendment has consequences. Now, I'm not saying that that's the only reason that mass shootings happen in the U.S., but surely it has to be a very significant factor. And I'm not here this evening to talk about politics, to talk about gun rights, or to talk about transgender rights. I just wanted to use those examples because they are rights which people today are extremely passionate about. And as, as I've shared, the rights that people have have consequences. In today's passage, we'll see the Apostle Paul talk about individual rights, which he does because the Christians in Corinth are also very passionate and vocal about their rights. Back in chapter 6, verse 12, we learn that they were saying, I have the right to do anything. To which Paul said, but not everything is beneficial. And to which he also said, but I will not be mastered by anything. Just because you have the right to do something doesn't mean that exercising it is necessarily advantageous. Indeed, insisting on using your rights might even reveal that you've you started to turn your rights into somewhat of an, of an idol. They've become the most important thing to you. In last week's passage, we saw Paul say uh, the following to the Corinthians. In chapter 8, verse 9. Be careful that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. Last week, uh, Paul warned the Corinthian Christians not to eat meat that had been sacrificed to idols because it could potentially damage the, the faith of a weak Christian. Now, did they have the right to eat the meat? Yes. 
but eating it might not be helpful to other Christians. Friends, Paul is so insistent on serving the faith of other believers that in chapter 8, verse 13, he said he would even become a full-time vegetarian if that would be better for even one of his Christian brothers or sisters. And by the way, this was well before being vegetarian or vegan was trendy. In, in today's passage, Paul continues to discuss this theme of, of giving up our rights for the sake of others. And he reveals to the Corinthians how he has already been doing this. In today's passage, Paul uses himself as an example of someone who, from the benefit of others, is not exercising their own rights. And he begins by, by making the point that the Corinthian Christians, they're not the only ones with rights. He has rights too. If they can grasp the fact that he has rights but is deliberately foregoing them, they'll be much more likely to take to heart what he's saying. Paul isn't someone who goes, do as I say, not as I do. He's someone who, who practices what he preaches. So let's consider his rights. Our first point is, Paul has rights too. Now, what exactly are Paul's rights? Have a look at me at verse 14, chapter 9, verse 14. In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. What does Paul have the right to? A stipend from the church. He has the right to get paid for teaching them, for teaching them the, the gospel. And he discusses the reasons for this in verses 1 to 13. As um, I have to admit that as someone who is paid by the church, uh, speaking on this point of someone who teaches the gospel deserves to get paid for that job, some of you might be thinking, oh, oh wait, I can see where you're going, going with this. I can see why you want to preach this passage. So I just want to make clear that, um, that I did not pick this passage to preach on, Okay. <laughs> I, uh, you know, what we do here at Christ Church is we preach through books of the Bible, and it prevents uh, people like me, preachers, from dodging passages that we might not feel very comfortable teaching. And I think this is, this is one of them. A few weeks ago, I, I had to preach a passage that tells married people to have more sex. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. I can guarantee you, I did not feel very comfortable preaching that passage, but it is God's Word. Someone came up to me after that service and said, Hey, Dan, why do you always get the hard passages? <laughs> and I can guarantee you I've been thinking that thing, um, that same thing this, this week. Several weeks ago, I was talking about sex, and now I'm talking about money. Two things every Brit loves to talk about. Maybe that's exactly why I get given these passages. Okay, that's the end of, of that side note. Let's turn now to, to why Paul has the right to a stipend from the Corinthian church. So the first reason is found in verses 1 to 6, and it's this. His apostleship. His apostleship. So Paul was chosen by Jesus 
as an apostle to do what? To preach the gospel, which is exactly what he's been busy doing. Why does the church in Corinth exist? How how did it come about? Because the apostle Paul went there to preach the gospel. Shouldn't this entitle, entitle him to at least some financial support? Paul highlights how all the other apostles, they've been receiving stipends for, for their ministry. So it's only fair that Paul, due to his apostolic work, receive a stipend too. The second reason is this. A worker deserves an income. So Paul says that just as a soldier is paid by the government or, or just as a, a vine dresser gets to eat some of the grapes, it is right that those who labor in teaching the gospel also receive some sort of payment for their work. We wouldn't expect the person working at the Waitrose checkout or the person collecting our rubbish every week to have to, to, have to work for free, would we? Now, we might appreciate the fact that we can save a bit of money, but we wouldn't think that's very fair on them. They, they deserve to be paid. And this, this is a point that Paul says we even find in the Old Testament. So Paul quotes Deuteronomy 25, verse 4. Do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. Now, what on earth does that have to do with paying people? In Old Testament times, uh, people would get an ox to, to walk on corn so as to separate uh, the grain from the husks. And naturally, during that process, uh, the ox would eat some of the grain. So what some people would do is they'd, they'd muzzle the ox so as to prevent it from eating. That way, they got to keep some more grain for themselves. But of course, that was pretty harsh on the ox. And you just end up leaving it really frustrated and weakened. And if it's not right to get in the way of an animal getting its food... How much, how much worse is it to do that to, to a person who's made in God's image? That's the point Paul is making by, by quoting Deuteronomy. The third reason Paul has a right to financial support is this. His work is spiritual. His work is spiritual. Verse 11. If we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you. As Christians, what are we repeatedly encouraged by God's word to value? Spiritual things or, or material things? Spiritual things, right? As those who, who value spiritual things, shouldn't we be willing to, to part with some of our material goods for the, the spiritual goods which we've received and which we value so highly? Paul says that he's doing the all-important work of preaching the gospel. He's sowing spiritual seed that bears eternal fruit. Surely the, the significance of his work makes him worthy of receiving some form of material compensation. The heart surgeon who performs life-saving surgery deserves a salary, doesn't she? Her work is vital. So too is Paul's work. It's enabling spiritually dead people 
to be raised to eternal life. Surely his work deserves its pay. Here's the fourth reason that Paul has, has the right to an income. The Levitical priests had that right. Look at me at verse 13. Don't you know that those who serve in the temple get their food from the temple? And that those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar? In the Old Testament, the Levitical priests, as many of you know, would get a cut of the food that the Israelites offered to God. And because they, they didn't have their own land on which to farm, God told them to, to take some of the people's offerings for their sustenance. So Paul's right to be sustained by God's people, that, that isn't a new thing. It was even that way in the Old Testament for those who, who served in the temple. Those who are preaching the gospel today, in a sense, are also serving in the temple. What is the temple today? It's the church. It's God's people. Just as those in the Old Testament who served God's people deserve compensation, Paul is teaching that those who do that work today deserve compensation too. Here's the final reason that Paul has the right to an income. The Lord commands it. The Lord commands it. We saw that earlier when I read verse 14, so, so I won't read it again. Interestingly, Paul doesn't give, he doesn't give us details as to how Jesus commanded it. It's possible that, that he has in mind Jesus' words to his disciples when they went on mission, which, which Luke records for us in his gospel. So Jesus sent out the 72 and he said, wherever you go, stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you. Why? For the worker deserves his wages. For the worker deserves his wages. The Lord Jesus told his, told his disciples that they should be compensated for their ministry of preaching the gospel. So to sum up our first point, does Paul have rights? Yes, he does. The, the Corinthian Christians, they, they love to claim that they have rights. But they're not the only ones who have them. And here's the crucial difference between Paul and the Corinthians. Paul doesn't insist on making use of his rights. And as we'll see, he'll want us, he wants us to do likewise. Let's read the second half of verse 12. But we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. Does Paul have rights? Yes. But he's willing to forego them for the cause of the gospel. That's our second point. Paul has rights too, but he'll waive them for the gospel. Friends, Paul's priority is, is not to insist on his rights. His priority is for the gospel to advance. Verse 12 raises an interesting question. If, if Paul were to choose and not, to, not to waive his rights, 
but rather to, to receive a stipend from the Corinthian church, how exactly would that hinder the gospel? How would, he, how would his receiving a salary from the church get in the way of the gospel? One option is that there's a, a famine in Corinth. That is, if we, if we take that to be the, the meaning of the, the present crisis which Paul speaks of in chapter 7. You can see how if the people there are going through a famine, while well, receiving money from them might not be viewed as the most loving or, or caring thing to do. You can see how that could affect the gospel. Another option is, is related to the, the relational dynamics in, in the city of Corinth. So in ancient Roman society, you, you had a patronage system where someone with more money and, and status uh, would offer someone a gift. But that gift would often have some strings attached. It's possible that, that Paul doesn't want to have this sort of patron-client relationship where he's expected to be and do what his patrons or benefactors want. I think that 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 is a slightly more likely explanation for for why Paul waives his rights to receive a financial gift. He doesn't want to feel restricted in terms of, of what he can teach or say to the Corinthians. If he did, well, that might hinder the gospel. But as it is, he's able to speak the gospel openly to them. In fact, maybe this partly explains why he's been so comfortable telling them off in this letter. It would be much harder to do that had he felt indebted to them, wouldn't it? Since Paul doesn't feel restricted by them in terms of what he can preach. This is excellent for the gospel. All Paul cares about is being able to preach the gospel in its fullness. Indeed, the the ability to preach the gospel without being paid is considered by Paul to be a reward. I don't know if you noticed that during the reading. That's what he says in verse 18. What then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge and so not make full use of my rights as a preacher of the gospel. Friends, what Paul cares most about is the good news of Jesus. He wants the gospel to impact as many lives as possible. So he will forego some of his own rights in order to achieve that goal. Brothers and sisters, are we willing to lay down some of our own rights for the sake of the gospel? That is what Paul has been calling on the Corinthian Christians to do. And by implication, I think it's what we're called to do. What rights might you forego for the cause of the gospel? There are so many ways you could apply this to your life. After the sermon tonight, I I encourage you to chat with others about ways in which you can do this. Ask someone, hey, what might it look like for you to waive 
some of your rights for the gospel? It's a challenging question, but it's a good question. Here are just a, a few examples of how we might do this in our lives. With summer just around the corner, many of us will be planning to go on holiday. Maybe because of how COVID has wrecked our holidays over the past couple of years, uh, we're tempted to splash out a bit more on our holiday this year. So for example, uh, should you go somewhere really exotic and stay in a really expensive five-star hotel if you're able to afford it? You have the right to do that, don't you? It is not a sin. But maybe you could go somewhere slightly less expensive and stay in a less luxurious hotel or in an Airbnb instead. And maybe you can use the money you would have otherwise used at a fancy hotel to to give to a missionary or to Wycliffe Bible translators. That's a way of, of waiving your rights for the gospel. You're not sinning by going on a really fancy holiday. I'm just saying this is one way you could waive the rights you have. Another way is to consider where you work. If you're job hunting, it might be worth considering uh, which jobs will enable you to, to speak about Jesus. Which jobs are more likely to enable you to do that? So suppose uh, you've got one job and, and that offers less pay than another but more evangelistic opportunities, that might be the job to go for. Could you go for the better paying job? Sure, of course you can. You're free. You have the right to do anything. But maybe that's a right worth waiving. Finally, another way uh, is to consider where you live. If you end up moving away from Banstead or the surrounding area, uh, what will determine uh, where you move to? For example, suppose you could move into a really lovely cottage where the nearest good church is an hour's drive away. Would you have the right to move there? Absolutely. Living there would, would still probably enable you to, to get to church on Sundays. But what if, what if there was a house not quite as cozy but only 10 or 15 minutes away from church. Wouldn't that make it much easier for you to, to invite your neighbors to church? And, and wouldn't it facilitate your, your getting stuck into the life of the church and building relationships with other Christians? Perhaps you could, you could waive the right of living in a nicer house for the sake of the gospel. Friends, those are just a few examples to get you started. There are so many ways we can apply this truth to our lives. I'm sure you can think of many more examples. By the way, if you're here this evening and uh, you're not a Christian, please do not think that we Christians are encouraged to waive our rights so that we can earn favor with God. We're not trying to earn brownie points with him. As Christians, we've been saved because of God's tremendous grace and kindness and mercy towards us. 
We, we, we want to live according to, to what these verses teach, not in order to curry favor with God, but because we're so grateful to him for what he's done for us. He's forgiven us all our sin and has given us eternal life with him. These are mind-blowingly huge privileges that we get to enjoy. And they're privileges that we want others to, to share in. So if you're not a Christian, but you would like to find out more about what it means to, to follow Jesus, then please do come and speak to me or to um, a member of our church. We'd love to tell you more about how you can know him. Folks, I've been speaking about waiving our rights tonight. I'm grateful that we've, we've got an example um, in Paul, someone who did that. But even better than Paul, we have an example in Jesus. He waived his rights more than anyone. And it's because he waived his rights and left, his, left heaven to come down to earth to die on the cross for us that we can have the privileges that I just spoke about. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your son. He is such an amazing shepherd. Thank you that he was willing to waive his rights for us so that we can have forgiveness and a relationship with you. Father, we do pray that we would be those who are willing to waive our own rights for the, for the cause of the gospel. Help us to cherish the gospel above everything else. We confess that we get so comfortable in this world and with the things of this world and we cling on to them. Forgive us, Lord. Help us to, to cling to Jesus instead and help us to, to prioritize the good, his good news going out into the world and, and going out into, into people's hearts. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.